0: Welcome back to the Clydesdale Media Podcast. My name is Scott Schweitzer. She is Amy Rudowski. And we are super stoked to have our good friend, Margo Alvarez, back with us. Hey, Margo.
1: Hey, thank you so much for having me.
0: Before we get into an interview, <laughs> through, we have to thank our sponsor, uh, C4 Energy. And we just have to say they have these new hyd- hydration sticks by Extend. Uh, they just came out. I just tasted this lemon lime for the first time today. It is really good. Not too salty, not too sweet, just kind of right in uh, getting that water to the nice level you want it. Uh, And to stop me from cramping in the middle of the night because my coach buries me every day in our workouts. So make sure you go to c4energy.com or officialextend.com and use the code Clydesdale to get at least 20% off your order. I think we're still at 33% for the rest of today. And after today, back to 20%. But thank you so much. And now to our guest, Margo Alvarez, seven-time CrossFit Games athlete, Titan Games finalist, uh, long drive competitor, uh, did Ninja Warrior once, um, wine entrepreneur, fitness coach. Am I missing anything? Tactical games.
1: Yeah. All of it. Sounds good.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It's quite the resume.
0: (laughs) It's getting to be that you take up my whole whiteboard now, whenever we have you on.
1: (laughs) Just add more things. Just the the intro.
0: (laughs) So that's, that's one of the things we love about you. You never seem to be, you always want to try new things. You're never satisfied in the moment with what you've done. Let's see what else I can do. Where did you get that attitude? And and is that was that a goal at some point in your life or did it just happen?
1: I think for me, it's always been appreciate and saturate myself as much as I can in the moment. So I have always been moving and being dynamic in life. But I think when I find something that I love, I throw myself into it a hundred percent. I think I learned that a little bit through my sister's passing. Just knowing that not every day is guaranteed, not week, not next week or the next month or even next year. And so I think for myself is really putting myself in any situation or environment and making sure that I enjoy the most of it and being as as satisfied, satisfied as I can in that experience or whatever I'm throwing myself into in that endeavor. And then making the most of it depending on the length of my competition or the length of my desire in that specific field or event or whatever it might be. And then if I feel like, all right, this, you know, this chapter is closed or this page is turned and I want to explore other things. I think that's something where I've learned to pivot and be dynamic. And I think it's tough because I look at life. I'm like, man, there's so many things that I want to do that I haven't done that I want to get to, but it's, it's tough because it's a double-edged sword where to be really good at something, you have to focus solely on that. And I think I learned that as a young age, when I would do Taekwondo, I did ballet, golf, volleyball, horseback riding. And my mom and dad were kind of like, you know, if you really want to excel in something, you need to kind of taper down. You can't do, you know, seven sports or six sports, or whatever it was I was doing. I need to kind of pull back to be able to focus on two. So I kind of let go of a lot of activities and focuses in certain fitness realms, I guess you could say, and then decided to focus on two. So I think that's something I've had since I was little. And I think it just stuck with me over the years now that I'm not little, (laughs) I'm older.
0: So when I was a kid, I was a four sport athlete in high school. So every, every season I changed sports and some of them didn't even make sense. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, but I found when I had to narrow down to one for college, I wasn't happy anymore. Mm-hmm. Like it just, it was, it was too focused into one area, which is why I, I love that I found CrossFit. That's kind of a little bit of everything.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, Do you ever find yourself getting bored with that sport or not as happy because you're focusing on one thing?
1: That's a good question. I never felt like that when I was younger, especially I think as a kid, you have so much energy and your mind is kind of like a goldfish in the sense where like you do, you want, like you get pulled from one thing to the next and you're able to entertain yourself. And I was able to do that. I was thankful that my mom was taking myself and my sisters to multiple different activities and sports to stay involved. I think that within the CrossFit realm, because like you said, there's so much to improve on, you don't have just weightlifting, you have the cardiovascular aspect, you have the gymnastics aspect. And I think with all those elements, you are constantly being dynamic, you're constantly trying to work on being improving yourself in one level or next. And I think that's for myself, I didn't necessarily get bored. I think it got to the point after competing after so many years the monotony of competition having to make sure that I was in the gym six to eight hours a day, if not more to improve myself and get better so that the level of competition that was continuously rising every year to make sure I kept up with that. And obviously it started to change when I launched my business because then I only have 24 hours in that day and now I need to dedicate as much as I can of that day into two high priority things. And it was tough because I would physically be in the gym training, but then my mind would be like, I need to do this paperwork. I need to get this, pa- this paper signed so I can get it notarized, so I can get it sent off to get my wine license. But then when I would be doing that, my mind would be like, all right, I need to be back in the gym doing accessory work. So it's hard to, you know, for me, it was like balancing a balancing act with those two main pivots. And I think for individuals, I can't speak to other people, but I know that was the, um, the tipping point, the challenging point for me. It's like, all right, I, I love CrossFit. I love the competition aspect. Mm-hmm. But I now want to focus a little more time on my my wine company, my business. And so for me, it wasn't so much being bored, but more about priorities and how can I manage x amount of hours of my day when they're already dedicated to two things.
2: <laughs> Are you still using CrossFit now? Are you still utilizing that as just as a as a fitness improvement now?
1: Yes, yeah. I love I love CrossFit because I love the versatility of it. But I also love the community. That has been my number one thing when I first found CrossFit, not only like the physical challenge and mental challenge, which I know we can all speak to, but also the community and being able to work out after training for my with myself majority of the time by myself. I love working out with people. I love working out with classes. So I still continue to do that. I do some days I'll do a little more like functional bodybuilding um, or other days I'll go for a walk. So the training still CrossFit-esque in terms of that high-intensity component. Um, but the amount of hours that I'm cha- cha- training um, has changed a little bit drastically, we'll say. Not six to eight hours anymore. So you
0: talk about the community. And you made deep, long-lasting friendships in CrossFit. Because I walk past your pig every day to work out.
1: That's awesome. I love it. So you're talking about Christie's yeah. Show, right? Yeah. <laughs> but that was what I was watching, I was "Yeah, I love Christine Pat." Um, and it was funny because, I'm like, I, w- I want to say it wasn't last year, but the year before, so two years ago. But I remember the pig had come out, and Alex and I were like, "Hey, you know, we can get this to you if you want to practice and train on it." Because I ended up purchasing that. Actually, that was the exact same pig that I used in the games um, in 2015. No way. Yeah. So I was like, I really want to get this because there was that mental struggle and physical struggle to like be able to finish that workout. I didn't obviously finish it. So that was the incentive to purchase the pig and buy it. Um, and then when they when Chrissy was, you know, training for the games, we're like, hey, we can get this out to you so you can train with it. Uh, we don't have the space right now at the moment to bring it back. So eventually I would love to have it back as it has a special spot, in my spot, special spot, in my heart. But I know that for me it was going to allow her to train and prep. And I know for being an athlete for so many years, like any advantage and any opportunity you have to prepare yourself so that you are able to be a little move, a little bit more adequately prepared um, in all facilities or all aspects will definitely help, right? You know, whether that's an inch a mile or whatever it might be. So that's cool that you get to see it every single day. Um, when I had it in the garage gym here, like I saw it, it was a constant reminder of, of all the hard work that I've put in to get to our map. So it's, it's super cool to be able to like help and share Chrissy helping share Christy with that when it was leading up to the games.
0: Yeah. I love the story that you had it shipped to Ohio. I can't even <laughs> imagine. And you do not have to disclose what it cost to ship that thing to Ohio. <laughs> well, but we couldn't drive it. so. Like, <laughs> yeah. Christy and Pat were like, Oh my goodness. She actually shipped it to us. And they just say, you're just an amazing person. Um, so supportive of them. And, um, oh. and they just love you dearly.
1: Yeah, I love them both. And I'm I'm so grateful we had that experience, uh, not only pe- competing with each other as individuals, but also being able to share that experience as a team in 2019. That was super cool. Um, and it's always good to be around good people with a good heart, good soul, and good energy. Um, and so I'm grateful to the pe- people that I've met across like my years competing, but also my cross my years within the CrossFit community. Um, and so super blessed to know them.
0: So since Bruce brought this question up, I, I actually want to move to, t- to tactical games. Um, and kind of get into that realm real quick. I, I saw a lot of stuff that you've done last time we had you on, you would, I think it was right after you had been robbed, um, in Vegas. Mm -hmm. And I know that that was the catalyst to kind of getting you down the road to tactical games. I know it was not just like an immediate switch, but it was kind of the, the precursor to the whole thing. Can you walk us through that a little bit and how it got you into TTG?
1: Yeah, hundred percent. It was, um, the, I mean, the immediate thought process and like what I remember was just that feeling of being violated and that control of like that invasion of in your personal space and your personal property. And then also the fact of like, not knowing, not knowing who it was or who it could have been, if that person's going to come back, are they going to come back and like try more like not just steal Mm -hmm. stuff? Like not that you want to think that, but you, if you look at the world and scenario now, this was what, two years ago, a little over two years ago. Um, and, we're seeing a lot of the repercussions now where you're seeing a lot of increased crime. And of course it was just starting out. We didn't have numbers of data to show that, but now we're starting to see a little more information about it. And for me, when that happened, it was like, I didn't necessarily have a way to protect myself. Like Alex was in the military. He's prime military. We've done some training very kind of briefly. Like if someone comes in, what do we do? Like obviously how to load a gun, how to load a magazine, um, how to handle a gun, obviously always treat it as if it's loaded. But there was a lot more detail that needed to go into it. And that was kind of the initiating factor. And for me, it was, again, like, I don't want to be scared or fearful. Like, I'm a very confident individual and I'm very comfortable in myself. So, like, if I have to handle a situation, I'll do whatever I need to do to handle it. But if I can prepare myself a little bit better and I can handle a situation or, again, avoid a situation if I know what to look for, then that's going to put me in a much better situation. So that was kind of the, the starting point of, all right, I need to go get some classes. I need to get my CCW. Applied for my CCW. It took like the 10 full weeks to get it. Did um, the CCW, which is a concealed carry weapon cl- class here in Vegas, and was able to do the course, get my uh, license, and then purchase a couple firearms, purchase a couple rifles, a shotgun, and had that for myself for protection and just learning and educating myself, like learning to do. So I took additional classes, some one on one coaching, um, or cl- I guess one on one training. And then Alex and I had gone through a lot of different drills, mainly for like protection in terms of within the house, like how do you operate in your house, especially if you have multiple levels, you have multiple doors, how do you want to clear a room? Um, And if you don't know, like for me, I was like, man, like it's kind of intimidating because you don't know, you don't really know the steps you need to take. You know, where do you want to place the gun? Do you want it close to you? Do you want it out? But if you walk around a corner and someone sees the gun, but they don't see you, they can knock it out of your hands. So it's all these different scenarios in your mind that you need to either work through or prepare yourself. Um, And so that was kind of the initial, initial, I would say, starting stone or starting step. Um, after that happened, it kind of settled. I didn't do much after the couple classes that I took. And then I would say this, I would say it's probably in June. Actually, it was in June. I got invited to go to the Hunter Games with my friend, Laura Zara. She's a backcountry survivor, a backcountry survivalist. And she, uh, we worked with SIG last year in doing it. And so I got the opportunity to go out there. And for me being from Montana, I've never hunted. You'd think I would have had hunting experience, but I didn't. And so that was kind of the, another door that was open. That's like, all right, I want to learn how to, Know use this different type of rifle, learn and get more experience, not only in the hunting realm, but shooting. And so that was another opening thing. I was like, all right, you know, I'm I'm really interested in learning more. I want to educate myself more. And so I went out to that was June. And so then I started doing a little more practicing, trying to look into tactile games. I'd heard about it. I've talked to some of the, the owners and the marketing people the previous year in 2021. But for me, I was like, I don't want to sign up for something and not know how to do it. Like I was very excited to do it, but I didn't have any of the training. So I kind of just pushed that back. So like that pushback for a month became like a year. <laughs> so I continued to push it back. And I was like, all right, well, if I'm actually going to do it, I need to sign up and do it. So um, I want to say it was like middle beginning of August. I found one in Arizona, Tactical games and signed up for it. I was like, all right, I got four weeks to train. Yeah, I want to say it was middle of August yeah, middle of August, because I remember having like four, four and a half weeks to train. I was like, all right, got to buckle down and do it. And so I did a lot of dry fire drills. Alex and I went over through, went over and talked through a lot of different drills. I worked with Lena Michelek for a little bit. Um, We did some virtual coaching calls just about dry firing drills and how that can help you in terms of competition. She does, she's done a lot of tons of, we'll say, of three gun competition. But for me, that was the stepping stone to be able to, all right, let me put myself in that environment and train every single day. So if I wasn't going to the range, I was trying to dry fire every day or every other day. And I think that allowed me to get a lot better with my handling skills, pistol and rifle. Um, Of course, there's huge areas of improvements. I have a couple months under my belt, three, four months under my belt compared to other individuals, but that was essentially the stepping stone. And then kind of where I'm at today. Now Um, there's a lot more that I want to do with tactical games. I qualify for nationals at, Arizona, which was amazing. Super grateful for that experience. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to go because it was right after rogue, um, and the turnaround time and being able to get all the logistics to make, make it work was very difficult, challenging, especially since I was launching my fitness app. Um, so I'm looking forward to next season to be able to get back out there and qualify again. I know that was a really long answer.
0: <laughs> no, 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 it's perfect. Um, so we had E. Shershan uh, last you. week She's and she, 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 talked about you on that episode Um, but when you're both really good friends of the show and when I heard that E was doing this it was like that is the perfect fit right that her background and and the crossfit and all that stuff it was a perfect fit I can't say that I said the same about you (laughs) right like
1: like, like a square peg in a circle hole
0: (laughs) (laughs) but then as we were talking to E like she she brought up like you're just good at everything like everything you try nice you're <laughs> yeah. you're very good and and so that made sense and how much did you enjoy the experience and like Bruce is asking below what was the community like in your perspective
1: the community was phenomenal uh so to answer your first question it was an amazing experience i thoroughly enjoyed it um of course i'm an athlete and I'm a competitor and my desire to be the top of the best is obviously going to be there it's how i've been ever since i was little but i really enjoyed the experience because the community was so welcoming and so incorporating and we would help each other the amount of feedback from, you know, people that maybe had more of an experience with the firearms to people that had more of experience of fitness. Like I would give them as many tips as I could on how to lift a slog or how to carry um, the bag or what you need to do to walk backwards with the sled. So the community was by far amazing. It reminded me of kind of the grassroots grassroot early days of CrossFit, a um, little bit more small niche and everyone was super supportive and it was just a really great experience. And Not that I wasn't surprised because I I, um, again, I go into the intention of I'm going to treat others how I want to be treated. So I'm assuming everyone else is just as nice out there. So when everyone was so welcoming and amazing, it was it was like, all right, this totally makes sense. Like, this is what I'm anticipating where you maybe you go to scenarios or situations where people are a little more stuck up or, you know, they have like their nose in the air. I didn't have that at all. It was a really cool opportunity to be able to connect with a whole nother community. And of course, people are into fitness, people are into shooting. Um, And I think I saw his other question in terms of like prior military, other individuals, there are a lot of either prior military or active um, individuals that are, you know, that is their job, whether they're Leo or, you know, like E, she's in her position where she has a lot of training with that. So I think it's, It's a community where no matter what your background, similar similar to a CrossFit class, no matter where you're coming from or what you're doing, you come all together, you do your class, you throw down, same thing, you come in no matter where you're coming from, you all get to throw down, have an awesome experience. And what I think I really liked about it too is that these scenarios and situations, as much as, yes, it's a competition, if something or if you know, S hits the fan, you know, how to prepare yourself. You have put yourself in different situations where you're having to think tact tactically, but also having to be dynamic. Like if you're typically a right-handed shooter and you have to shoot from the left side and you have to shoot left-handed, then you need to be, all right, how can I handle this? What do I need to do with my body position? So I think it's great. Cause it, again, it can, I don't want to say bleed into it can lean into, or can blend into a real life scenario if it does arise. Mm.
0: And correct me if I'm wrong, they have a tactical division designed for law enforcement officers, former military, things like that. that, That's a little bit different than like the elite division.
1: Correct. Yeah, they do have a different division. I've only done one competition, the one in Arizona, um, and I ended up doing elite. And I was like, all right, I don't my again, my shooting experience is like four weeks at the best right now. So I don't know how this is going to go, but it wasn't so much of the. The training, the training, obviously it was a good amount of workouts in terms of multiple workouts within a day or events within a day, but it, it came down for me. It was a lot of it shooting and getting, you know, but be, getting better with my trigger handling, getting better with my manipulation of my weapon. And I've done a lot of that and I was prepared, but again, more time is under my belt to be able to improve that. But it is awesome to see, you know, you have the elite division then you have the intermediate, then you have those divisions specifically for the tactical community.
2: So when you're training and you were training for this in Arizona, like is there
1: a- I the competition in arizona i was training here in vegas
2: okay okay sorry okay sorry, I training in vegas but did you do you have like a specific type of coach that helps you train specifically for this or do you just like i'm taking care of my fitness i'm just gonna have some support with shooting
1: yeah so i i mean alex and i did a lot we do we, we would do a lot of drills at the range um didn't really focus so much of blending the two in terms of fitness and shooting i would maybe do a little bit of jogging and running to get my heart rate up to simulate it um okay. but In terms of my training, I was just trying to either I would do classes and then I maybe do additional work, but I try to focus a lot more on like odd objects. So like sandbags, D balls, um, anything where I'm going to have to use an object or lift an object, go backwards uh, or forward, whatever I need to do with it. I've actually done a lot of backwards sled walking, and I've been incorporating that since last year of training. Um, That's really good for building the strength of the back of the knee, posterior chain of the knee. And so it's, it was awesome that one of the events was we had to start with a sled drag backwards, walking sled drag, uh, and open and a closure of the bed. I was like, man, this is perfect. So <laughs> I, I love auto object training. I've always loved sandbags. I've always loved unique things like tires or pigs, anything that's different. Um, and so I think that's where the draw to do the training for the tactical games is like, all right, I can do class for the cardio aspect. I don't have to worry about my handstand pushups or my muscle ups per se, mm-hmm. but I obviously the conditioning aspect and being able to recover is so important. I definitely did up my running for it because um, I knew there would be probably a longer distance run, which I think it was three miles for that event. I know the nationals had an eight and a half mile run, I believe. So it was, again, CrossFit classes plus a little extra after that in terms of like odd object training.
0: I have so many questions about this. <laughs> um, so when we talked to E, we we talked to her about, do you get excited when you see like the sandbags are heavier? Or And she's like, you would think because of my fitness that I would, But the way it affects my shooting is very different than you would think. Did you experience the same thing?
1: Yeah, I would agree with that 100%. Like the heavier weights for E and I, I think, you know, we have the strength to do that. And I think there there are other women out there that can handle it. But someone that maybe is a really good shooter, but doesn't have as much strength training behind them or training in general behind them, that sandbag might be a little harder, might slow them down. Um, but then for those that are fast with it, you now need to go with an elevated heart rate, breathing really hard. And now you need to make sure you hit your target. So it definitely does change the landscape. You need to be a little more, um, cognizant of how you make your decisions because you go super fast, but then you get there and then you're, you're missing every shot when it's like, okay, maybe I would have held off a couple more seconds or get a little bit slower to get there and pull a trigger. I think of a good analogy would be like, you know, you're on the echo bike or the rower and you row a couple seconds or your bike a couple seconds faster. Is it worth it when you hop off and you got to go do pull-ups or toes to bar or another movement where you're a little more having to help elevate a heart rate? But you have to like pause and rest. Might as well go a little bit slower so you can go off the bike or rower and straight to the next implement or exercise.
0: Now, the other thing we asked her is what was the thing she learned that she needed to work on more? And she said it is the speed shooting.
1: Yeah, I think that's a great implement. I mean, for myself a little bit, I would say some of that is speed shooting, but also myself is not trying to pull back the trigger so fast. So being a little bit more, a little bit better with trigger pull in terms of like making sure that I have that exact first line on my finger on the trigger before I pull it. Um, Because again, you could get there first, but if you miss all your shots and those are all those points get taken away from you. So yeah. It, again, there was a, it was a huge learning experience. It's like, all right, there's a lot of things to work on. A lot of things to improve. Of course, I need more experience and more practice sh- shooting specifically with my pistol more. So my rifle, I feel more comfortable with my rifle because I had a little more pra- practice with that. Um, but training with my, I had, um, a, a SIG 320 a Spectre comp and being able to train with that, it was a lot better than my 365 that I had. I still have it, but the 365 is a little more compact. It's more for EDC, like everyday carry. Um, but for a pistol competition or having a pistol to shoot for competition, having something a little bit bigger, like the nine millimeter that I have with the SIG was a lot better because I had like more meat. I had more to hold onto my hands compared to where the SIG 365, I love it, but that was more for concealed carry.
0: So Bruce also asks, how was it compared to the biathlon event at rogue back in, I think it was 19.
1: (laughs) Yeah. 2019 at rogue. So it was, um, a little different, obviously in terms of, I would say just because you had, you had to make sure your shots counted because if you didn't get those shots and you had to run that extra run with the kettlebell thrusters. So I would say there was a little bit more with the rogue invitational with the bath on you had to, I would say take a little more time before each shot each shot. They were closer, but the holes were a little bit smaller. So you had to be a little more precise in terms of your accuracy there. Um, especially coming from the skier there was a lot more upper body where a lot of the things we did in tactile games, there was some upper body in terms of holding a sandbag, but there were some implements that we did a lot of running back and forth or movement back and forth with our legs. So you had a little more upper body rest with tactile games. So it's tough because they, they are a little different, but they're also a little similar. I loved both out of all the events at rogue invitational. That's been one of my most favorite events. Um, I think, because again, it comes down to accuracy, precision, but also your breath. Like, how are you breathing? And that's huge because that plays into so much with your rifle and pistol training.
0: So I was on your YouTube channel and I was looking at some of the clips from the tactical games. There was an event where you were sled dragging uh, three, I think it was 345s maybe, 325 Oh yeah, 345s, yeah. Yeah, and then you had a sandbag that you had to hold like kind of in a front rack Yeah,
1: position, Yeah, I
0: position, yeah. I think front rack is giving it too much credit it was just out in front of you.
1: <laughs> <An isometric>, um, <laughs> it's in the front. Um, yeah. technically.
0: Yeah. Well, I don't think they could like lift, you yeah, yeah. couldn't lift it up. It was, yeah. so you had to kind of static hold it in front. Mm-hmm. You were, you were wiped out after that. Was oh, it yeah, a fitness yeah. only component or did you have to shoot during that?
1: No. So that was a fitness only component. Um, they did have essentially kind of like a floater workout or a floater component on Saturday that was just fitness on Sunday. It was just shooting. So that was kind of cool because it was really unique and different. Um, so for that one, it was three forty fives on the sled. And then it was, I believe it was a 70 pound sandbag for the females that we had to hold in front. You could do a farmer carry on the side, but I felt like I could hold it up here a little bit better because it would be out of my way of my legs and hips. And I could run a little faster. And it was funny because when I started the first, like the first three, four seconds, Someone had accidentally placed um an additional plate on there. So I didn't really know. I'm like, oh, so I just started whoa, no. oh, you got to stop. You you have too much weight. I'm like, okay, I'll stop. But of course, like i like, it felt a little lighter afterwards, but then it caught up really quick. So it kind of gave me a little bit of warm up before I started. But yeah, you had to essentially go as far as you can in one minute. Um, get go down around the 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 base of a tree. You had to like pull yourself around the tree, but you once you get past that tree you have to go back as far as you can. I can't remember my total distance, but I, I know E for sure beat me E and I think I think E got first and then I got second or maybe I got third, I can't remember on that event. But uh but yeah, it was it was all like the first I would say the first portion going down wasn't too bad, but then you got to get to the tree, you kind of slow down, so as you slow down, everything starts to kind of like soak up in your body, your legs start to get super heavy. So then I was just trying to waddle and I was like, "All right, I I, I could possibly get past that flag if I just like fall forward and let the sandbag go and I land on top of it, which I did. Cause you had to get the sled past the flag for it to count distance wise.
0: <laughs> yeah, that was, it, it was crazy. Cause I've seen you, I mean, I've watched your career for a long time and I, you looked completely spent after that. And I've, I don't think I've ever seen you like that before. You did a marathon row and didn't look that bad.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. We had a row for three hours. I couldn't go all out. Like, I had to save it the end. <laughs> that's
0: funny. it's funny because that's what that's E's biggest memory of you is that she was stuck on that rower for like another twenty minutes <laughs> after you were done.
1: It's funny. I I um I I've just recently. Well, I guess more this past few months I've gotten on the TikTok and just trying to do more um kind of content on there to reach a different audience and be able to showcase and coach others and help others. And I saw the games across the CrossFit games that put up the video from the row marathon. I was like, man, like makes me kind of relieve that experience altogether. But I just remember being so happy and so excited to get off of it. Um, and it's tough because I go back and people are like, man, like you were so close to the world record. I think the women's world record is, I mean, at least back then it was like two hours and 47 minutes and so many seconds. And I was like, yeah, but if I was going to try to beat that record, I would have to row so much faster earlier on because that's, you know, 13 minutes or so. Yeah, that's a quite a bit. That's quite a bit. And I was like, I think the only reservation I have is like, I mean, at the end, you're pro- I was probably so disconnected. I I couldn't really remember. I was like, whatever, I'm done. Yeah. Um, but I just know that if I, I think looking back, if I was able to maybe roll a little bit faster, a little bit earlier on, just like a minute, a couple minutes to get sub three, that I think would have been like really cool. Um, just to be able to say, Hey, I got sub three marathon versus, you know, three hours yeah. and like 42, 43 seconds, I think it's 42 yeah. seconds. Um, but I, I'm not going to do it again.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Not yeah, at once. because.
0: <laughs> It's funny yeah. that people say that because I know like Amy ran marathons mm-hmm. and I remember she was trying to just cut four minutes off of her time and how hard, hard. that was. And that's, oh, it's that's so just hard. running a marathon.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's so just, hard. just running a marathon. Yeah, exactly. Just, and it's funny cause I've never yeah. run a marathon, but I really, that's like something on my bucket list that I want to do. I've done a couple half marathons, yeah. um, but I really want to run a marathon just, just to be able to say I've done it. Uh, yeah. You know, like you're crazy. I'm like, yeah, to your resume exactly
0: but yeah, yeah it's, we, we have like three more space. lines yeah. three three more lines that you can do <laughs> and then we're out of space
1: i never know more space
0: <laughs> oh, I love Um, that. so bruce wants to know what rifle you use
1: so i have a sig dh3 it's the one daniel horner created with sig i really like it they have adjustable stock the only thing that i I'm working with that is when you have a sling, the way I have my, I have a two point sling that I have attached. So as I flip it over, as I sling it over my back, um, as I was practicing, this, the sling sometimes gets stuck in there. So I'm kind of playing around with that or playing around my different um, sling positions to find something that works a little bit better. But I really like it. It's really smooth. It has a flat trigger. Um, it's it's phenomenal. I, I do recommend it.
0: <laughs> so um, just finishing up with the tactical games a little bit. Um, you seem to be like, glowing talking about it like there's like you found something that you want to conquer and that you know how you have to get better so do you see this being like a a mini career move for you
1: um possibly i think it's it's tough because the amount of time training wise in terms of fitness and shooting there's there still needs to be a good adequate amount of time because I respect my competitors in terms of what they're putting in training hours and and time wise. And if I want to beat them or if I want to be on that podium, I know that I need to put more time and hours into it. Um, That also requires time in the day that I'm not dedicating towards my fitness app or my wine company. So it's finding the balance of, you know, whether I work with a sponsor or whether I am able to find other ways to bring in resources to do that. Um, I do love it. I love the challenge and I think that's where, as an individual, I've always been drawn to challenging myself, putting myself in an environment where I have to push myself and thrive and rise to that occasion. So I definitely want, I definitely do, do see myself doing more and training more for this. Um it's just making sure that I can still adequately get everything else that I need to get done in with my two other businesses as well.
0: Yeah. And one more question from Bruce is five point five six millimeter question mark.
1: Uh, so the, for the DH three, that's just, yeah, five, five, six, I was, I was like 5.5. Yeah. So five, five, six is what their rifle 223. Um, that's the rifle standard they have for the tactical games. And that's what the DH three is. Um, and then for the pistol, you need either a 40 a 45 or nine, I believe. So yeah, but that is a 5.56, okay. five, yeah. I was thinking, for some reason, I was thinking in my mind, um, my 6.5 Creedmoor, that's what the rifle I got, the Sig rifle, hunting rifle I got from Sig from the Hunter Games. So I was kind of like, wait a second, what? <laughs> a little bit so of a delay.
2: Is the Hunter Games something you want to go back
1: and? and... <laughs> 100%. So that's invite only. And okay. uh, I hope you get invited back again this last year. Uh, this was their second year doing it. any 21 was their first year. My friend Laura did it with Lena and another lady and she said she had a phenomenal experience and the lady that was supposed to do it this year couldn't. And so she asked me, luckily, I was able to make some changes in my schedule very rapidly uh, and I was able to do it. So I'd love to go back again. I definitely want to get into hunting. Um, this year was kind of a hard time frame schedule in terms of when hunting season is to actually get to do it. But I'm looking forward to spending more time and actually going hunting and learning more of the process because the hunter games was kind of, it mimics the hunt in the sense of like, you have to look for targets, you have so many shots and your shots are worth so many points. Um, but it it, for sure, it opened up like a whole new realm. I'm like, all right, yes, you have to have fitness because you have to hike from you know a point to B point within a certain amount of time frame. But to be able to become more proficient um, for me and also know how to hunt my own food would be huge because, I mean, I know the world's crazy and don't want to go down rabbit holes, but uh, right. to be able to provide for myself and my family or be able to have and you know, hunt and have food for the entire year, that's huge, and I think that's something that I would love to be able to have more education on and experience on. And so I'm definitely looking forward to doing more of that for sure in the future.
2: And then I see this is what I see after that. Then I see you uh, on a horse with a boat.
1: <laughs> Hell yeah!
2: <laughs> I think that should um, be.
1: We'll
2: add yeah. that. That's your third line there.
1: I I, I love it. I, it's funny. I actually used to ride horses growing up. I did horseback riding. I did um, a couple years. I think a year to two years of Western competition, and then I moved into equestrian. Um, absolutely loved it. Almost bought a horse that was named Smokey. This was, when mm-hmm. I was I think 11 or 12 junior high. Um, absolutely loved it, but the cost and the a commitment to have a okay. horse and a barn and yeah. all that stuff. I didn't have any of that. So I would have it housed at where I was getting lessons, but I, I love it. And I think, um, for me, I, mean, I love, it's funny. Cause someone asked me in a different podcast, like if I could be one animal, what would it be? And I was like a horse, like there's just so majestic. And yeah. I, think, I know it sounds weird, but for me, it's like, there's something that you I mean you're connected to. Being outdoors and getting around, and I mean, I just would love to spend more time on a horse and actually go hunting and get more experience. So I will let you guys know when that happens. <laughs> yes. Love it.
0: So I got to know you grew up in Montana. Mm-hmm. Amy and I are huge Yellowstone fans. <laughs> <laughs> we talk about it all the time. Um, oh, I love it. First of all, have you ever seen the show? <laughs> Two is Montana that beautiful.
1: So, one, I have seen the show. I've seen the first full season one, missed out two, three, and four. I think I've watched a couple episodes of five. Um, two got a little dramatic, and I was like, I just can't watch. I was like, yeah, was like, too much. So I stopped. Um, but, yes, Montana is that beautiful. I've had a lot of friends reach out to me. They're like, oh, my God, I want to move to Montana and marry right boy i'm like one those are not the cowboys you let's know <laughs> exactly those there's no rip the in, you in real montana no you're gonna have different cowboys in montana um but yeah montana is that beautiful and i i've loved i would love to go back i'd love to live there um there was a pivotal point where we thought about you know we moved back there moved to vegas and obviously moving to vegas was better for the business and this is i think where we'll stay for a while but being able to go back to montana is something i try to do every year every, twice a year if i can depending on my schedule Um, and it's funny because it's so beautiful and it's like, there's so much there that I connect with and I love, um, that I know I'm going to get at some point be drawn back there. And I know a lot of people have moved there since seeing the show, um, not only Yellowstone, but also during the pandemic before I think the show even came out, a lot of people moved there because they're like, Oh, Montana looks so amazing. And it is, um, it's absolutely beautiful. It's, it's something that's so pristine that it's kind of hard to explain until you actually go there. Um, and growing up, they're so grateful for the opportunity, being able to see the mountains every single day, wake up to them. And that's actually a part of my just go rogue shirt that I have is the actual bitter mountain mountains, kind of like, not all of them, but a the portion of them in the shirt, because it just it speaks to me of like who I am as an individual in terms of outdoors, the mountains, nature, Montana. Um, And that being grounded and being rooted is so important. It doesn't have to like literally mean that in terms of like a tree or a branch or whatever, but just being grounded and rooted in whatever it is, is huge. And so to have that on my shirt was like a remembrance for myself, but also a testament to showcase with other people. It's like, hey, wherever it is that you go, like find something that makes you whole um, and embrace that and, you know, utilize that as you go forward in your journey. Uh, so for those that have never been to Montana, I highly encourage you go visit specifically Western Montana. We'll say that like anywhere from like Bozeman, Missoula, Kalispell, Flathead, Glacier, um, Eastern Montana is a lot more flat. There's not much out there, but it's still beautiful.
0: So speaking of grounded, we're going to go in the opposite direction. (laughs) You're a legend. You are named a legend by rogue and get to compete with the legends at rogue. And this is the second year. You have been able to do that. What does it mean to you to be called a legend?
1: Very honorary, I would say, or to be an honor to have that attribute or have that invitation to do that. Um, I've been in sport, been in the sport for a long time, not just like just competing, but in the community and to be able to be invited as a legend to represent the community, represent Rogue. It is something that I'm so eternally grateful for and thankful for that. Obviously, a lot of hard work has been put into that and a lot of sacrifice to be able to compete for so many years. But for me, to be able to compete with other individuals that have been around the sport even longer, like Becca Voigt or Stacey Tovar, it's just, it's an amazing experience. And I'm so grateful for that because not only are we competitors, but we also have the friendships that we've built along the way. And I think that's what's really special is it brings together people that maybe you wouldn't have crossed paths with in other aspects or other genres whether it be business or life or family and so to be able to kind of come together from all around the world through crossfit is just amazing and like i said just feeling the sense of honor of being invited i'm, I'm very grateful and thankful for that and always it kind of i try to sometimes i get like oh man like i get wrapped up in the workouts like i want to make sure i'm you know i hold my own for my partner uh and i want to make sure i deliver and, and yes that's there but at the same time it, it's not about that it's about celebrating the amount of years all of us have put in together. Um, to not only showcase what we're capable of but also uplift the community and hopefully inspire and motivate them to move whether it be in a competition or just you know get off the couch and go walking
0: when you when you first started in sport did you ever think you would make such an impact that you would be deemed a legend in a sport?
1: i don't think I don't think i ever had that foresight or even like thought of that, that thought of that when I first started, I think for me, it was just to say, you know, prove to myself of what, what am I capable of? How far can I push myself? How far can I challenge myself? And within that journey, can I hopefully help others and inspire others and move others? And I think a lot of that stemmed from you know, maybe not, I know it's not the feeling of not being able to help my sister, not being able to save her. And of course I have no control over the accident. I have no control over the destination of how life happened with that. But I think for me, having that feeling of unfulfillment in the sense of not being able to save her, not being able to help her, then I think that started to come towards me. Like, how can I help other people? I couldn't help her. How can I help other people in the movement or in the realm of fitness? or exercise to be able to hopefully give them, you know, a pivotal point to help them out of the hard point in their life. I think because for fitness and moving and running specifically before I got into CrossFit, it was a way to run and kind of let my thoughts go awry or think nothing at all and allow me to really work through emotions and struggles. And for me, that helped me through a hard period of time. And so my thought process was if I can hopefully help others get through that hard period of time or maybe uplift them or pull them out of that dark space, then maybe that can be helpful. Um So I never thought that I would be deemed a legend or have such an impact on a community. But I think in my heart, it's like, as long as I'm knowing, as long as I feel like I can help other people or give them guidance or give them inspiration or be able to extend a helping hand to help them out of the current spot to hopefully a better place um, that I think it was kind of the focus. So again, very honored to be able to be deemed a legend and, Given that title and continue to be invited back for another year it was definitely um, a blessing. You're on mute. So now
0: I want to get into your businesses, um, and I don't know if you can see um, behind me. Oh,
1: oh, were, I do see them right there. there. <laughs> yeah, the one that's you awesome. Yeah, right uh,
0: the goat and
1: Cheers, um, Cheers, yes, Cheers. Yeah. Yes, okay, yeah. I look yeah, little behind
0: it. a yeah. little so, uh, the wine business. Last time we talked, you were actually going to start growing your own start growing your own grapes Did you ever get to you point?
1: No. to so We point that. We we on that we in Vegas, Montana, here in Vegas Montana and Colorado. So I can't so last time we talked. We time we talked we or distribution in Montana or Colorado. I don't think so. Yeah. So I, it feels like years have flown by then. It feels like months have gone by instead. Um, so yeah, so I had distribution here in 2018 in Nevada um, and then it was able to get into distribution into Montana and Colorado. That is very challenging as a small business. Um, it's just Alex and myself. So we don't have a team of sales reps or people to push it. So that was pretty much all of our jobs just added on to everything else that we're doing. Um, so I was able to get distribution there, which is great. Obviously being, Montana, my home state, being able to get the wine in there was huge, getting into Missoula and then the Bitter Valley and then uh, Bozeman as well. But of course, it's a struggle because you're having to compete with other wine brands and wine companies, um, companies with larger, deeper pockets. So I was able to do that, still hosted a lot of wine nights and yoga nights, uh, Was did like some huge tours last year. Obviously, 2020 put a damper on all events, wasn't able to travel for any of that. Um, so we were able to travel and do events. Last year, done some wine launches, which has been great. Um, since COVID, I would say, like since like 2021, a lot of things have changed in terms of production costs. So, inflation has created a huge increase in storage of wine, fulfillment of wine, production, like prices. Period. So, the cost of bottles gone up, uh, cost of labels have gone up, corks, capsules, printing, all that. So, I've kind of put a halt on all of that, which is unfortunate because. Um, I was looking to launch my new label, which is celestial, um, which comes off of my middle name, but also ties into a picture of my sister, which would be the new label. Um, so I'm holding off on the next production, hopefully till after January. Um, I still have some, I still have some goat that I need to bottle that is still being aged, which I would love to be able to bottle and get out. Uh, I just tough right now when it's like bottles are twice the price of what they yeah. were before. It's just like, man, like if I'm going to do another large case production, I, I'm going to have to wait for that because it's been so detrimental in terms of freight. I used to be able to ship wine to the East coast, probably for about, you know, $50 to $70 to the East coast, depending on where I was shipping. Uh, Now it's like over a hundred dollars to the East coast. And it's like all these additional costs and fees. And I would never try to pass it on to the consumer. I didn't want to do that because one people have gotten accustomed to free shipping like with big retailers like amazon and so i would try to absorb most of those costs and a lot of my margins were very thin with the wine so it made it very difficult um but i wanted to again to get my wine out there i wanted to share with people showcase my message and brand but also share it with them um so a lot of things have had to pivot and change and be a little more dynamic in the sense of how can i bring in other resources and bring in other revenue to offset those costs so i don't have to pass it off to the consumer so Hopefully after the new year, if things start to stabilize, fingers crossed, then I can do the next production um, and get things going out and then launch the the new wine label as well.
0: Yeah. And you had talked about possibly having distribution in other states. Did you have to hold off on that as well because of the same issues?
1: Similar issues, yes. So every state, for example, we were looking into Tennessee, Georgia, and Florida in terms of getting distribution out there, but every state I would need a new license and that was $1,000 for the license. And then there was another $100 licensing fee, processing fee for the application. And then every additional label, um, depending on what state I was going into, would need an additional fee. So it would be like, all right, so if I'm launching this, you know, this current wine and current brand in there, but I'd have to of have to get all those licenses for lease states, So I was at least 3000 right there. And that's just, that's on me. I am not even guaranteed sales to the distributor, even though I was having talks and conversations, because the biggest thing for me was like, if I get this license and I apply for all this licensing and I get approved and the distributors like, yes, we want to bring you in. And then, you know, ghosts me or doesn't respond to my emails or my Texas <laughs> text messages anymore. Then it leaves me kind of high and dry where i put all this effort to get licensing, get all the paperwork, Um, And you you have to renew every year. You have to pay an additional fee for licensing. And so it makes it difficult where it's like, I can ship myself to people, but then again, that's my additional cost. If I go through a distributor, I can move a little bit more bulk wine or bulk cases at a time. And then the retailer or then the distributor can get to the retails and then the consumer can buy within, you know, the wine shops or the restaurants. And so most states are a three tiered industry where you have, you know, the wine supplier, or the wine company, then you have um, the actual distributor they have to go through. It's is pretty much a gatekeeper. Um, I think of like the monopoly guy, you know, like you can't pass go, do not pass go. So you need to get a distributor uh, before you can get to retailers or wine chip, uh, wine stores or even restaurants. The only exception would be if you are licensed in that state. So for example, I have my license in California since that's I do all the winemaking there and production there. I have my license there so then I can work directly with retailers and wine shops. But some people don't want to work directly with the individual. They'd rather work, work with a distributor because if they're getting items or cases or different bottles or different wines from you know, a distributor, they can get all at once versus having to work with different companies. So there's a lot of intricacies and a lot of different doors and layers within the alcohol industry. Um, and so it makes it very difficult. So it's it's tough. There's a lot of uphill battles, but I'm trying to be relentless and continue to be headstrong to push back and hopefully get over those. But there's just some with, in terms of the cost of production and just cost in general, It's it's been difficult. Really difficult. Well, I know
0: a, a lot of my friends... Um, have met you personally and got the wine from you directly um, when you come to different events. Uh, Kat put up here. She remembers getting wine from you at the CrossFit Games.
1: Oh, that's awesome! I'm reading it right now.
0: <laughs> and um, I know that you did an event in Cleveland. It used to be the Rogue Winter Classic. <laughs> mm-hmm. Used to show up there with some wine and and hand it out. Um, how much fun is it to do that grassroots marketing? I know it's expensive, but like, but and it's the same. We went through the same thing with the podcast. It's fun to go out to all the events and do the interviews and do all the stuff, but it is expensive.
1: Yeah, it is definitely. I mean, it's a lot of it's boots on the ground, and I'm I'm not afraid of that. Like, I've never been afraid of the hard work or the hard effort that goes into it. I would love to spend hours in the farm harvesting and doing all that, Um, and so doing the grassroots marketing and grassroots effort to get out there and you know travel and you know drive 12 hours and the next day do three events like i'm not afraid with that again like you said it is an additional cost in there but to be able to see that smile on someone's face and be able to talk to them get to hear their story or you know just talk to them about you know whether that's fitness or crossfit or you know what their experience has been in general it's just it's a life changing. and i'm so grateful for that and i wouldn't be here without the community support and i know i've talked about that before in terms of the realm of competition but same thing with my business if i haven't had the had the support of the community whether it be from you know the nbc titan games or the crossfit games over the years i wouldn't be here because it's the community support and the the love and the desire to want to help me has been huge and to be able to see that person's face or give them a hug and give them a smile and talk for a little bit or give them a signed bottle it's totally worth it at the end of the day. And I know like there are a lot of hardships, not only for myself and other small businesses out there and people have reached out and shared them with me when I, you know, I do talk about it. And so I'll continue to do that because the community is, you know, made it really worth it and being able to share this with them, because it's not just about my wine and my product and my brand and my message, but it's about the overarching theme of being able to share it with people. And that's what I tell people is like, at the end of the day, when you enjoy a glass or two with the wine, a glass or two of wine with friends or family, it's that experience you get to share together. And it's like the, the whole process of making wine, it's long, just like the whole process of getting, you know, a muscle up or getting a pull up. It's a long, tedious process. But when you finally get it, it's amazing. And you usually get to share it with other people, if people are in the gym or if you're opening up that bottle. And so for me, it's like, how can we share this experience together? How can we do this together? Because, you know, there are. It's not just that one person or that couple small team. It's the entire group together that make it so, um, like, amazing.
0: Yeah, Amy knows all about that.
1: <laughs> That's awesome.
0: um, one last question about the wine, and then I want to move to your fitness app. And that is, uh, Brent asks, any thoughts of bootlegging? <laughs> <laughs>
1: I mean, there are possibly in theory, could have been some bootlegging, but I don't know. <laughs> no, no, um, there's de- definitely been some, some ways we've tried, try to kind of go around it. Um, alcohol again, because it's alcohol because it's liquor or wine, however you want to deem it, they make it so tedious and difficult. And it's frustrating because if you look at like soda companies or pop companies or whatever you want to call it, fruit juice companies, like, you know, people are drinking those hand over foot and there's a lot of, um, health issues will say from that. And it's tough because alcohol gets a bad industry or the alcohol industry or people get a bad rap about it because, oh, it's alcohol. It's bad. I'm like, I'm not saying, you know, like go crush an entire case. I'm saying, you know, I enjoy a glass or two at the end of the day. You can too. If you don't drink, that's fine. You can take the message and eat, you know, bonbons on the couch with your kids. Um, so depending on how things go in the future, well, maybe <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. hypothetically speaking, <laughs>
2: It's not anything we need to put on the recorded podcast here.
1: Exactly. Exactly. I don't know what you guys are talking about. Yeah, I
2: don't
0: know. <laughs> well, I, there's so much on my whiteboard, but I do want to, I do want to talk to you about your fitness app. So th- this is fairly new.
1: Correct. So it's new. I just launched it. Um, I would say, I guess it's almost December. So, uh, October, so middle of October, I just launched it. Um, a lot of kind of time that went into it to building it out, but I wanted to create a one-stop shop for people to be able to have everything from, you know, lifting to CrossFit, to accessory work, to mobility, so they can come and get everything from me, but also have the ability to communicate. Um, I want to help people. And I know a lot of people have specific different goals, whether it's, Hey, I want to add 10 pounds to my snatch, but overarching, I've seen a lot of people, you know, they want to lose fat. They want to build muscle. They want to look and feel good, but they also want to be physically prepared. And that was been my focus. Like, how can I prepare you? How can I get you strong in the gym? So you can take that fitness and have it applied to real life, whether that's hiking, no you know, hunting, going on uh, walks with your kids or whatever it might be, like being able to move from one house to the next. For me, it was creating this platform where I can bring this community. You know, I know there's lots of other social media platforms out there, but how can I bring everyone together and we can have this place where we can communicate? I can inspire you. I can hopefully motivate you. Um, and so I've structured it where I have different programs. We actually just started a 28 day challenge yesterday. Um, and so the incentive is to give people a place where whether you're doing body weight, scaled, Dumbbell workouts, um, a, kind of like a CrossFit workout of the day style, or if you want to focus on strength training and you know building a more lean muscle, I've structured around that where I have classes where I video coach and I give all the coaching tips, demonstration, and scaling options ver- visually so they see it all my platform versus having to go to a different page or a different platform to watch the videos. But then also the written program, and then I have a couple different community chats where we can interact with one another. Um, And then I have news feeds so that I can share nutrition tips, sleep tips, time management, stress management. There's a lot of things that I think people are working for that sometimes get overlooked and those need a little more time and attention. So I've created and structured my app around that so people can join and we can kind of do this together because I know it can be hard to be by yourself and do it alone. And I think with the pandemic, too, there's a lot of people that shifted, you know, going to a gym or canceling their membership. And now they're working out in the garage if they have equipment, or they're just working out in the living room. Or I know friends that have like new moms that, you know, they're not able to get to the gym. They have 20, maybe 30 minutes at the most to get some sort of movement in. And so I want to design programs around that where if you don't have any equipment, totally okay. You can do this in your living room with nothing. If you want, you can grab a set of dumbbells if you have it, or, you know, grab soup cans and add that. Um, I know I kind of thought as a joke, but people that is better than nothing. And I think body weight movements, you can still build some really good foundational strength and mobility and just kinesthetic awareness around just moving. And so I wanted to create that with my app.
0: So what is the name of the app?
1: It's called Celeste by MA. MA is my initials, Margo Alvarez.
0: And they, you can get that on iOS and? Yeah, you can get
1: it on the App Store. Um, I don't have an Android as of yet, hopefully in the future, um, but I have a landing page that people can check out if they have questions, they can go to my website um, and they can always reach out to ask me questions or so they have directly questions for me specifically. Um, but I wanted to be able to create a place where they can again get as much as they want, not only for programming, but also the video aspect as well, coaching wise.
0: And your marketing has been awesome. I know that you love to ride your Harley.
1: I love my Harley, and
0: and I've seen you drive it out to the desert and hop off and do a workout right there on the side of the road.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so a lot of people ask me, like, "Oh my gosh, how did you get your dog out there? How did you get your dumbbells out there?" I'm like, "Of course, I have a vehicle following me, and to be on my bike, even though people suggested me getting a sidecar for her. Uh, I, she's actually sitting over here, so I think yeah. she might love it. But um, but yeah, so I'll do. For me, it's like I want to showcase not only what I'm doing, but hopefully inspire those. That either have a bike or that have ability to go out and move outside can hopefully kind of get them going. Um, and I love riding my bike, especially during the summertime here, even though it can be hot as heck here. Um, I think I'd rather ride in the summer and heat than ride in the winter, because you have to have like eight billion layers because once that air starts coming, yeah. it's oh. um, but yeah, so for me, I just want to be able to highlight aspects of my life and showcase what I'm doing. I'm I'm trying to get better at story, storytelling. I'm not much of a, a me, me, me person yes, I want to highlight what I've done, but I have a hard time communicating that or kind of putting out that because I don't want to come across as egotistical. And I I know I'm not that type of person. um, But if people are going to trust me, they need to understand what I've been through or where I've gone to say, hey, she does have the experience. She does have over 14 years in the fitness industry to say, all right, cool. Like she makes sense or this makes sense or, oh, that that was never been coached to me before. I've never learned it like that. So I'm trying to do a better job of storytelling and showcasing what I've done, whether it's competitive or a trainer, um, and hopefully take that and package that and share that with them so they can hopefully find some sort of inspiration that gets them moving. And I've told people like, hey, it doesn't have to be CrossFit. It could be whatever your heart's desire. If you like to do Zumba, if you like to go take dance classes, pole classes, that's awesome. Move. Stretch, get something do, get something in your schedule or in your day that allows you to si- find some sort of physical movement because that physical movement will help you emotionally and will help you mentally. And I know there's been a huge struggle with mental health um, since, since during the pandemic and even after. So movement's been huge and I just want to encourage that.
2: Is your app a monthly subscription?
1: Yes, it is monthly. There is an option for an annual if you want, but it is a month-to-month subscription. Um, so you, when you download it, you have access to all my programs. Um, we have a chat in there, so I'm able to ask for any questions. And then I also have a news feed. So any information that I put on there, it stays there. So anything that I share for the challenge or anything that I share uh, for individuals is accessible to anyone that joins.
0: Well, most people know that you can climb a pegboard better than most. <laughs> You can row, you can row around the Hawaiian islands. You can take on Mount Olympus. You can uh, shoot down targets like the best of them. And what else? Make wine. You can pick grapes and make wine. And that's just like half the list. Just part of it. Yeah. So I can be your hype man because you're a phenomenal athlete.
1: Thank you, Scott. Yes, absolutely. You guys are both amazing. As always, Margo,
0: Thank you so much. The hour went so fast. I know I it's believe. crazy. It's an hour. Yeah, you are the best, and we thank you for jumping on with us. Uh, but I know that you are super busy getting back to one of these eighty-seven things.
1: I don't.
2: Yeah, I don't um, think there's enough hours in the day for you to get all the things done that you want to get done.
1: It's hard. Sometimes they roll over to the next day, unfortunately. But yeah. I, I try to do a decent job of checking off that list. <laughs>
0: so make sure you get to that ios app store and download margo's new app celeste by ma
1: yes celeste. okay celeste yeah so that uh, actually pulls off from celestial so it kind of ties in with the okay that's what I, that's why i was like yeah. wait a minute is it celeste or celestial okay yeah, no yeah. yeah, you're on it you're on it Okay.
0: <laughs> all right cool and thank you so much margo and we'll talk to you soon of
1: take care guys thank you uh-huh.